0: Forum Borealis Paradigm Expansion
1: Greetings from the north, citizens of the world. Welcome to Forum Borealis. You know, I, I've been embarrassing slow To try to untangle the Pandora's box that is cryptocurrency and attain a sufficiently rudimentary understanding to form a qualified and personal opinion on it, both in general and also from the perspective of me as a personal consumer. Well, I believe I've reached that level now and man is it mind-blowing when you start to get it. The implications and ramifications are revolutionary and indeed qualifies as a paradigm expansion subject for the forum to take on. To put it like this, if you don't pay attention to the basics of what's going on and what it means for the world economy and consequently also all other aspects of life, both on an individual and collective level, you will soon end up as a dinosaur at the bottom of this evolutionary and revolutionary leap. Don't take my word for it, just stay with us and see for yourself. Here's a teaser of today's discourse. That moment was interesting. That's happening again.
2: Hmm. But beware of the euphoria, because there is a dark side to this. Right. Some of these changes,
1: are we sure, are we sure we want to live I in I don't I don't know that we have any option. That's- it's, it's, like, it's like all or everything. Yeah. Uh, all or nothing. Yeah. I, I think we have, just have to risk it. Oh yeah. Maybe let go of the security desperation. Because all those who actually have assets in today's system are gonna go the way of the Dodo Bird anyway, except actually those who have resources. So it's all unhealthy aspects of economy will be flushed away. Yeah. All the inflated stuff that you explained last time when you talked about the stock market versus the actual market, etc. Mm-hmm. It's a purge, man. Yeah. It's yeah. a reckoning coming.
2: Yeah, it, it,
1: it, it absolutely is. Crypto blockchain revolution
2: is going to simplify things in a way that it's really going to change how everything operates. And remember, the future is that metaverse. You can't get away from it. It's like saying, you know, it's like when books began, yeah. the internet, all these revolutions. It's that big. It really is.
1: Not sure I'm buying exactly that point, sub-point of yours. But I agree with you, big, big picture. Well, remember, but don't forget, when I
2: say metaverse, I don't mean
1: Zuckerberg's metaverse. Right,
2: right. The metaverse, there's no way to get around that.
1: Now, I'm sure some of you recognize the voice of our recurring guest there, Robert Bonomo, a resident consultant on economics, whom I will subject to many inquiries, opinions and even dissent. Everything you, or at least I, wanted and indeed need to know about crypto, I will question him of today and between us a somewhat clear picture should emerge. Now, Mr. Bonomo is a filmmaker, photographer, blogger, novelist, esotericist, financial and political analyst. His background is equally manifold. After acquiring graduate degrees from the universities for Florida and Boston, and having lectured at universities in Spain and China, he had an extensive career in marketing and advertising, having worked, among other, for the World Wildlife Fund, UPS, Galleries, Lafayette, Porsche and Antevenio. Despite a successful career, he had a change of heart, fed up with spending energy on convincing thousands of people to buy things they don't really need or want and decided to pick up pen and paper and begin writing. A few novels emerged along the way, all three who are available as free downloads on Smashwords. First, Twilight Breakout in 2009, the dystopian Cactus Land the same year, and his latest release in 12, Your Love Incomplete, which is structured upon the tarot symbolism. Being multilingual, it's no wonder he has lived and worked all around the world, like in the San Francisco Bay Area, Miami, New York, Valencia and Madrid in Spain, Luoyang in China, Buenos Aires in Argentina, Cartagena in Colombia, Kamchatka in Russia, Andorra, and the last years in Tunisia, where he is lecturing at the university level and running a school. Having worked many of these places as a teacher, even offering online classes, he has coupled this experience with his passion for esoterica and started to give online tarot seminars as well as readings. He has also presented his work in various conferences and his presentations has also turned into instructional and documentary movies like the two-year production released in 18 called The 21 Faces of God a presentation of the major arcana archetypes. And recently, the new documentary called Twilight of the Archons, which cover the financial, cultural and spiritual web of control, as well as offering some ways out. Robert Bonomo also blogs on a wide variety of topics, like astrology, zombies, Ron Paul and cats, to list a few his prediction of the gold value was mentioned in Market Watch. Ron Ernst included Bonomo's work in the Uns Review, and he has had his articles published in some of the leading old and new media sites, like Business Insider, Culture, Lew Rockwell, Infowars, Global Research, The Occidental Observer, Activist Post, Rense, What Really Happened, ...Counterpunch, Information Clearinghouse, Pravda, RINF, Alternative News, The Waking Times, Astrological News Service and The Mountain Astrologer. Robert is naturally also a frequent guest on podcasts and talk radio and has visited us twice at the forum before last time on Understanding Money, MMT and UBI. Now he returns, wearing his financial cap to guide us into the age of digital coins. And as always, a trigger warning to anyone deranged by our contemporary zeitgeist. This is not a safe space from opinions or disagreements. But fret not. In the end, such a dialectic bring more clarity and stronger foundation. So whether you agree or disagree with us along the way, learn much or little from our exercises, at least I hope you will enjoy this discussion, and I think with better awareness of the crucial aspects of what's going on in our world right now, today. Make no mistake, this is closely connected to the current attempts to censor and control you and me, us, the 99% as an underlying backdrop to the contemporary class and culture war. Welcome to the show. Uh, welcome back to the show, Robert. Hey, great to be here. Talk to you again. How's life in, in Africa? Oh, actually, it's going really well.
2: It's nice. Uh, it's the end of winter, and uh, it's beautiful here. It really is. The end of winter here. It's gorgeous.
1: That's a, it's a great place. Are you also back to normalcy?
2: Yeah, almost complete. It's really interesting. the uh, The Omicron wave here, it came, it hit basically everybody. Everyone I know got sick, and now we're all better, and it's over.
1: You included, right? <laughs> yeah, I got it too. And uh, but yeah, we're almost over. It's great. It swept over the area like a, actually like a, not like a plague, like a blessing. It's a <laughs> blessing, man. This is the reason uh, Scandinavia was in the vanguard of declaring COVID endemic, because they're not, they don't have like a personal stake, like uh, they're not married to big pharma because we don't have commercial health industry, so they could assess it pretty freely. Icelanders are the most free though, and they saw, look, we can't get rid of this shit, we have to live with it, everyone will eventually get it, so, okay. This is the way it's going. And then it's so fascinating to see certain countries who put all their eggs in the COVID Karen basket, <laughs> in the fear-mongering basket. They are now trying to double down, like proud and stubborn and exposed for the whole world. I'm specifically talking about down under yeah. and up, <laughs> up over at the Northwest. So they look like idiots at the world scene. And this is also related to crypto and yep. we're going to talk about that today so of course we're going to talk about cryptocurrency today this is going to be one of several shows we uh, are going to cover for cryptocurrency and examine it from different uh, angles and
2: now sounds good man um, sounds
1: yeah we 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 promote our shows under the slogan paradigm expansion now people who are very well versed in crypto may not get that much expansion today but for me if you start at, uh, I'm almost at a goddamn uh, boomer level when it comes to this. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, mm-hmm. so that, that's going to be an interesting journey for those of you who are still not caught entirely up to everything. But I think it will be interesting anyway because we're going to discuss it in light of current affairs and, and of course economy in general and also systemic perspectives is going to be interesting. So I'm basically going to throw at you all the questions I have mm-hmm. in order to to map and understand this phenomenon properly. Sure. Um, did you listen to the Secret History of Crypto show? Yeah, actually, I didn't listen to the whole thing,
2: but I listened to like three different sections. And some of it was interesting, and some of it was a, a little bit more technical than I'm into. No, yeah. no, it was like very kind of precise, and some of it was a little bit like uh, some of it I liked, some of it I didn't, but some of it was good. Yeah,
1: yeah. Did you get the the, the uh, origin of Bitcoin or whatever it was? Yeah, you know, <laughs> I'm
2: not, I'm not the guy to go into that because there's so much about who that is that it's not me. Yeah, that's not uh, that's not my. Story.
1: I mean, I have to ask you how it originates, right? So yeah, I, but I, I, I would. I, but when you get into that whole part of it, yeah, so much there's
2: so much mythology around it. I would leave that for. I mean, that, that's like a show in itself,
1: right? You know the or Yeah, and and it was kind of what their show was about. It was it was like history, but uh, I'm just thinking. Um, let's uh, let's focus. On, I'm thinking more of the. I, but see, you know what? I don't. I don't really care in the sense. I mean,
2: the sense is what it is. You know what I mean? Right. What it is and right. where it's going. That's yeah. what I'm much more interested in.
1: Yeah, that's a good point.
2: And the other thing is when you get into that area. Mm-hmm. Then it becomes kind of it, it's it's easily fall into the trap of conspiratorial nonsense, Right. And it's people bullshitting and you know inventing shit. And I, I find it boring.
1: Yeah. Okay. So last time we spoke, both of us were pretty agreed that we are rather oblivious or rather yeah. incompetent on cryptos. Now, since last time, both of us have done something about it, and and both of us have started with crypto too. You have kind of caught up <laughs> on that front since last time, right? Yeah. But what are your strengths? What could you go on about all night?
2: Oh, my strength, without any doubt, without any doubt in this whole area, is I think I can say I understand money, mm-hmm. what it is, better than the majority of economists and people. Yeah. <laughs> I have a very clear idea of what money is and what assets are and asset classes. And when I, when I originally saw Bitcoin, I just saw it as digital gold. For me, it was just digital gold, and that was it—the end of the end of story. Yeah. What's happened since then is I've understood that Bitcoin as an asset, and all cryptocurrencies and tokens, whatever you want to talk about, is only one part of this. It's actually just a part. What's really interesting is the whole decentralization. So when you get into right. DeFi DAOs and that stuff. You're talking about a real, real revolution that's going to change
1: everything. Yeah. So, so it's systemic. It's not just a new currency, it's a no. new currency system. Not, and not even that. It's a new system of organization. Of organization. Okay. That's um, the interesting have, part, I think. Okay. So, so basically, we can talk as we did last time, uh, only that. In, instead of just dollars, now we can extend that to crypto, too or yeah. any any currency, uh, any cryptocurrency, right?
2: Right, and and I think let let's try and keep it to Bitcoin and Ethereum, because once you start getting into like Cardano and the rest of them, it's you know what's going to happen there, and it's very very speculative.
1: Yeah, but I, I I did think to ask you about NFTs because they are so yes. are so yes. de- criticized and hyped.
2: NFTs, that's another area that's absolutely fascinating.
1: Fascinating
2: where that's going to go. We can talk a lot about that. Yeah,
1: mm. yeah, we will. So then uh, we, we could talk about the current situation in light of crypto. I think we have to. Uh, Canada? How can we not? Mm-hmm. We've got to mention Canada. Oh, sure, sure, sure. Yeah, I think so. Um, we, we can discuss uh, uh, the nature of crypto and how it works. Sure. Uh, we can discuss um, I mean, not nothing about the history. I mean people think it comes from CIA I, but you see I have
2: no idea. if I start talking about that it's just pure speculation. I have no data to say that this came from the CIA, that it came from Elon Musk, that it came I mean it's just making shit up. Yeah. So
1: I'd rather not go there. Yeah, okay. Yeah. What about uh, in political perspective if it's a left wing thing or a right wing thing?
2: This this is maybe the most interesting topic we could touch.
1: Ah, okay. <laughs> I think yeah. Cool. Okay. Uh, okay. I think we've got an areas to move within then, mm-hmm. um, but uh, feel free to notify me if uh, uh, if I'm not asking the right questions. You can still find a way to get 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 yeah, into, yeah, yeah. into. I mean, ending. we've talked a million times, so for us, yeah. I think it's
2: pretty mm-hmm. natural. No?
1: Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So uh, we agree we're going to stay away from the history of it, which many find very fascinating, me included. But like you said, that's a show in itself, and it's going to be. A show showing itself with other, yeah. yeah, with other guests. Absolutely, yeah, it could be interesting. So, where do you want to begin, Robert? Um... I'd like to begin a little bit with a
2: little bit my my journey here because I think one of the interesting things about getting a bit a perspective on this from someone my age. So I'm in my now in my mid fifties. No, mm. I worked in the internet in the late nineties, so I wasn't there in the beginning. But when I got in, I got right in. So I was working in ad agencies, ad networks. You know, I was the director of digital marketing for some pretty pretty big firms. And the people my age who you talk to about the whole crypto sort of revolution, and I would call it more the blockchain revolution. Yeah. There's a feel now like this is the mid-90s. And it's really interesting. If you look at a graph of the use of Internet, so Internet usage by millions of people, And you and you map it onto cryptocurrencies, the graph is amazingly similar. And we're at about nineteen ninety-eight. So this is in terms of people with access to the internet and people owning cryptocurrencies, we're at about nineteen ninety-eight. So think about the internet in nineteen ninety-eight. That's about where we are with and I I think we should talk more more blockchain. Because it's not just
1: Okay, let's start. Let's actually start defining that word. Everybody has heard it, but not necessarily everyone understands what it is, what it means, what it implies. Could you give it a shot? So, if
2: you are going to define a blockchain, in from a technical standpoint, you can do some, I'm sure somebody else could give a much better yeah. description of okay. it. But think of it this way: there is no no single intermediary, so there's no single point of failure or entry into the asset or, or the ownership of it. So it's, it's a, it's a common ledger with nobody controlling it. So think about it in this, in this way, if you use, if you go to a bank and I want to make a transfer from my account to your account, right? Mm -hmm. There are intermediary banks who control the transaction. What blockchain does is eliminates all of those centralized users. It's a decentralized system. It's a decentralized
1: ledger. So there is no single point of, of, huh. of entry. No, no wonder some libertarians and some socialists love this system, both from their, each their angle. But, of course, they have often in common the anti-authoritarianism. Yes, yes, and of course, anarchists love it too. Exactly, and that is the essence of this. That is the essence of
2: this. There is no intermediary, and and there, for example, from a currency standpoint, there is no central bank. There is no sovereign currency. It's not a sovereign currency in that sense, where there's a there's a central bank controlling a sovereign. <laughs> you, you understand what I mean? Yeah, yeah. Uh, Robert, that is the essence of it. It's
1: <laughs> it's the. It's the gnosis of currency. (laughs) Yes, yes,
2: yes. And this has profound, profound implications, not only from a monetary standpoint, but from an organizational standpoint, from a governance standpoint, from an ownership standpoint, from all the whole concept of intermediaries. And and if you think about what's going on in the world in megatrends, You see this decentralization and how this is destabilizing the entire world, the entire world. Hmm. I mean, just look at look at the whole vaccine thing in Canada, right? The centralization of power in that conflict between the two sides. And you see this everywhere. Once you see it, once your eyes open up, it's it's hard not to see it. It's it's in media. I mean, look at the, the
1: recent whole Joe
2: Rogan thing, right? Mm hmm. What did that – I mean, what's the
1: essence of that discussion? The
2: essence is it's to central, – It's centralized power.
1: Yeah, it is to crack down on the last remnant of free speech uh, online, which are podcasts, and then they need to go for the big guy first. If, if, if they can take him, they will be able to take everyone, anyone. But, uh, but the essence of that argument isn't about
2: free speech. It's about centralization of, of media. Are we gonna live in a world with a centralized or a Yeah
1: but that's directly connected to free speech. The centralization powers are not doing it to implement free speech, they're doing it precisely to remove it. Because free speech obviously is a threat to centralization. So right. But that's that's the real that's the real struggle.
2: And you see it everywhere with health, with travel, with money, with media, information. Yeah, it's that's what's going. I mean, even look what's going on with with Russia and Ukraine. You see that. And I mean, if you just look at the crisis now in Ukraine and what's going on, it's the perfect example of what of this whole the old polarized centralized world is it's like it's in its last gasps.
1: Yeah, I, I, I suspect we differ on Ukraine. Um, I'm with Grant Greenwald and those guys. This is a ploy. This is utterly created by United States, as most conflicts in the world are. And Russia is being reactive. Uh, NATO are the culprits. So uh, if, if you want to go into that, then there's going to be pushback if if you try to let NATO and Pentagon go scot free here. No, no, I think I think you misunderstood what I meant. Yeah. It's hard not to mention, with
2: what's going on in the world today, the the fact that there are two mega trends in the world. One is decentralization, and the other is centralization. Yeah. And you see this this polarity getting stronger and stronger in every aspect of society. If you look at the centralized world, the mm-hmm. talk about the pre crypto world, you would have two polarities. No, you would have say. You can have the NATO side. You can have the old Soviet bloc side, which is now the Putin side. This is the old world in conflict with itself.
1: Yeah. And China is a part of that too. Oh,
2: absolutely. And absolutely. Now, what's super interesting is you throw crypto into this, which is pure decentralization. It's the antithesis of Putin, of NATO, of centralized currencies, sovereign currencies. It's the opposite. Bitcoin is the opposite of the dollar in the whole dollar regime. Mm. But what's going on now is you've got like the dollar regime against sort of the Soviet or the new whatever you want to call it, the post-Soviet regime. And they're in this clash. But if you look at that as sort of the th- the th- synthesis and antithesis clashing, what's going to come out of this is decentralization. Neither one of these guys are going to win. What's going to win is a decentralized world.
1: Oh, right. Okay. So, yeah, let's hope you're right. That's there, how I see it. That's there how are, see there it. are, there are, of course, if you're pessimistic, you you, you may uh, – I mean, they are into it to win. So that needs to be a scenario on the table.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: But you, we already see, for example, Canada sees in crypto. But I, I'm going to ask you about that too. Yeah. But Libby, anyone who spent time in
2: Russia, I mean, who spent like years in – I've spent years in Russia. I understand that system and I saw it evolve. Mm-hmm. You no, know, from like the mid 2000s to where it is now. What is pushing that whole system? It's pure centralization of power. Absolute centralization of all power, all media, everything.
1: All voices are eliminated. Yeah, but, rem- but, but, but Russia Russia has mm-hmm. in, internally, yes, absolutely. But, but, but they are peanuts compared to, you know, uh, Russia's economy. Altogether is smaller than California's. Yeah. So Russia is 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 not a huge player on the global scene. You may argue China is, but number one, obviously, is America uh, and NATO because they are controlling it by sheer brute force. They have bases, military bases everywhere, uh-huh. and the NATO alliance is everywhere, and it's a bandit club to grab resources, and that's a clue, I think, because. You taught us last time you were on for this topic. One thing I took away from that conversation was to understand the difference between money as a currency and the phenomenon of resources. They may be attached, Mm -hmm. but they're not inherent uh, attached. Like we could use herring as currency at some point. And and now, (laughs) instead of fish and instead of paper... Now it's ones and zeros. And it's interesting because he said to cryptocurrency, and that's also the main reason I think people are not, don't have a good understanding of it and hasn't been motivated to understand it. And indeed, neither you nor me felt we did understand it last time we spoke. Yeah. So I'm going to (laughs) ask you what you've done since last time, since you now can speak of it with confidence. Mm. uh, Give us that. But I just want to make an observation too I want you to comment upon. And that's that... Mm -hmm. For the first time, now you can say crypto is attached to resources because I know people who have like Visa cards Mm -hmm. that directly taps their crypto so they can actually get cash for their cryptos out of it directly. And once that exists, once that is implemented, you can't put the genie back in a bottle because now you can actually use the money tied up to resources, the the crypto money, as uh, it was tied up to resources because they have made a practical way for us to use it in our day-to-day transactions. Yeah. And that's a huge change. Uh, So up until that, it's been more like an investment kind of area. And yeah, there have been some... Like, especially black, the black world, black products have been able to, (laughs) you know, deal with crypto. Mm -hmm. And it's also interesting to see how some countries in the world now are opening. Like, Afghanistan and Nigeria, take two random examples, two pretty poor countries. Both of them have had a parallel economy since COVID hit off crypto for different reasons. But, uh, like, in Afghanistan, there's not, there's no money. There's just no money. So, uh, another economy has forced itself, because you taught us that anything can be currency. So, as long as there's resources around, and there's a way for us to interact with these resources, to reiterate uh, lessons of last time, Mm -hmm. then, um, it's basically up to the locals what they agree upon is money. So it's so interesting to see that all over the world now. And that's how st- stuff starts. It starts in the underground right. among the poor people in the poor countries And parallel to those are all the rich people and investors and stuff in the West who also uses it. So that's a very interesting mix. So from both those two polar opposite angles, they're eating themselves towards the middle where the mass of transactions are happening. And that's one of the reasons I have this show today. It is for all those people who still are clueless and haven't opened up. They need to understand What's going on? They need to understand where this is heading, yeah. the potential of where this is heading so they can take a part of it before it's too late. So. Yeah.
2: yeah, and what you said, the implications of, of decentralized finance or DeFi are, are mind-boggling, especially for – you know, a lot of people haven't lived in countries like, for example, where I live in Tunisia, where it's incredibly difficult to get hold of foreign currency. It's a major issue. Hmm. Like, I mean, if you live in Tunisia and you want to buy something from Amazon, it's incredibly difficult to get dollars to do this. But in a decentralized, in a decentralized finance world, you could go, someone from Tunisia could have access to assets in the U.S. equities market and directly buy, for example, an NFT, which could represent ownership in a real estate project in Manhattan, or through a smart contract, could actually get an equity stake in, I don't know, a company in the S&P 500. Today, that would be absolutely impossible for a small business person here to make, to be able to invest that way. But decentralized finance will eliminate the intermediaries in banking, and you will be able to directly access those assets.
1: Won't it also eliminate the intermediary in the form of, like here we use krona, I don't know what you use in Tunisia, but uh, like krona to dollar right, is is one obstacle, right? You have two different currencies and now you need to find a mid-level and we're all dependent on the swing of the dollar. So like for me, for example, I get a lot of dollar in PayPal and like if I transfer that to Norwegian krona at the wrong time, Hmm? I may get 50% value out of it, but if I do it at the right time, 100%. Like, right before the pandemic hit, it was like 7 kroner for a dollar, and at the worst of the pandemic, it was 12, almost twice. Right. You see the loss here. But uh, rewind again. Uh, My long, long comment, I I raised several matters. I raised, for example, how come you've educated yourself since last time?
2: Yeah, you know what happened to me was last time we spoke, I was very interested in modern monetary theory. Right. And modern monetary theory is basically what's driving, I would say, at least US economics, and yeah. I would it's, it's infected European economics.
0: Mm.
2: Now, if you think about what modern monetary theory says is there are no limits on the amount of money that we can print. The only limit is really on the resources in the world. Right. Okay, yeah, that's that's just a basic, and, and really that's true. What governments do is first they print money, they spend it, and then to manage monetary policy, they have taxes and uh, they issue debt. Now the issue there is who has the power in that system, and as I got more into modern monetary theory, one thing I realized: all the proponents of MMT. What they hold on to, what's very, very important in modern monetary theory is that money is only issued, it's only issued by the sovereign state. It's a tax credit. And total control of currency must be by a government issuing a tax credit. That's it. They, for example, MMT, if you ask them about gold, if you ask them about Bitcoin, what they say are these are um, money-flavored marketing tokens. This is not money. And that that bothered me. That didn't make sense to me, because for me, you could have many different competing monies. Hmm. And what I understood about MMT and the in the situation we're in, in the world today is that when 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 governments and central banks control the currency, you're in an incredibly centralized state. Hmm. They control everything. This is this is all of the is being held by a very small group of people over all the decisions which is the history of the modern world right yeah absolutely and look at the situation we're in economically today we are in a really strange spot now i don't i mean i'm sure everyone's heard about the inflation issues that we have in the united states in europe there's a lot of inflation in europe and when you move to countries like developing countries like in tunisia it's it's gotten ridiculous yeah why are we in this weird place with inflation, and I can give you one view that I that really resonates with me. Generally, when you have a recession, right,
0: mm-hmm.
2: like we had with the coronavirus, um, the issue was you had real problems with supply. So there's less supply of products, correct, in the market. Mm-hmm. And on the other side, when people stop working, they have less money, so you have less demand. So a recession is deflationary. You have less supply, less demand, and the the economy either shrinks or grows very slowly. But one very strange thing happened in the coronavirus. Supply diminished in an extraordinary way. We all realize that. Airlines stopped flying, factories were working less shifts, et cetera, et cetera. They
1: eradicated a whole line of industries. But in
2: developed countries, people had more money. Because they printed money, and not only did they print it like they usually print it, and give it to the banks, they gave it to people. And what did people do once the lockdown was over? They started spending it. So it was a very bizarre moment economically. Uh, I don't agree with this perspective.
1: Well, first off, America didn't oh, get well. To-
2: well, I can give you. I can give you the
1: numbers for the United States. Yeah, yeah but-, but for Europe, it's can't dispute. Before you give evidence, wait for my criticism so you know what to prove. Okay. Mm-hmm. First off, Americans didn't get shit. Well, so, I... uh, the, the, the the corporations got, yes. But uh, in Europe, citizens got money, but Americans didn't. They got what, this pathetic check won and and, and Biden even cheated on it. What was it, $2,000 altogether? Do, do you remember? But, but there, They didn't get much. But there were massive transfer, massive transfer. transfer of wealth upwards. Yes. To the multinational but- corporations. That happened. Second, in Europe, where we actually got bailout, and, and most of the world actually, um, people got less than their normal salaries. So, uh, and, and at the same time, prices skyrocketed. So nobody of normal people got richer in this process. In fact, The elites refer to it as a great reset. You shall owe nothing and be happy. They mock us about it. Uh, We know that whole lines of industries have collapsed forever. And it's true that the demand goes down in terms of what we can offer for the supply. But the real actual demand hasn't gone anywhere I mean, people still need uh, like, food and whatnot, even if they can't afford paying for it. So that's a distinction I think are important because when you talk uh, in economical terms and talking about supply and demand, you're talking about these Mm -hmm. fictionous or or artificial ones. But one thing uh, is interesting. You mentioned that uh, people... uh, um, that that, that infl- why there's inflation, right? So yeah. I, I don't know if you're wrong or right. I, I'm kind of skeptical to uh, the explanation. Feel free to explain it better if if you stand by it. But another reason is uh, the fact that uh, when they do this uh, incredible wealth change to the top, obviously resources are also going to be transferred in the same process, and that's what you taught us last time that it will hit when the consummation of resources actually uh, start being yeah. included. Not just a money takeover, but also a takeover of resources. And isn't that precisely what has happened? Well, well let me give you an example.
2: Car sales. Mm. Car sales after the, the lockdown were above the pre-corona levels right. for used cars, mm. for example. So what I mean is when we're talking about consumption, in developed countries, through these, what should have happened in a normal recession is that demand would have gone down. It, there would be an extreme dampening of demand. And this didn't happen. Mm. So if you, if you reduce supply and you keep demand close to what it was before, you're going to have inflation. And that is, that is inflation for money printing. Right. right. If you print money and send it to people and they spend it. I mean, if they're buying cars, people are buying cars. It means they have money. Now, a lot of that money's on credit. Fine. But credit is money creation. When you create a credit, you're creating money. If you look at the, 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 what's going on in the economy, they have simply printed an extraordinary amount of money. And what they thought, what they thought would happen is once these logistical issues were resolved, that this transitory inflation would go away. And it hasn't it hasn't mm. so there if you're if you're saying that demand there really isn't true demand out there then i don't know what to say because if there's no demand then how do you have
1: inflation right yeah you know i agree there's a demand out i mean there. i mean yeah. look at
2: demand for all products durable goods food i mean there's an enormous demand in the developed world mm. so there is money floating around in, in right now in all sectors and it's ridiculous and this is where we're getting this inflation. So, yeah, I, I, kinda, I disagree. I think demand is real. If demand wasn't real, you wouldn't have inflation. It's impossible. It's physically impossible. The right? Right. people don't have money. How do you have inflation? <laughs> no, and, and look at, for example, car prices. All products. There are real, real issues out there. Because what people don't understand is the mega trend in the world isn't inflation. It's deflation. Mm -hmm. The problem in the world is deflation. I mean, think about durable goods. When 20 years ago, what a television cost, what a refrigerator cost, what a computer cost,
1: and what it costs today. It's much, much cheaper. But what happened? Yeah, But but, but wait wait a minute. Mm -hmm. Why is it cheaper? It's cheaper because there are... Uh, it's being more mass-produced, right, uh, and in more cost-effective ways to produce it, right? Absolutely. That's what technology is—is is a
2: major deflationary force. Mm. Autumn is automizing, and then also you have labor labor arbitrage. I mean, what factory with, with globalization you can move anywhere in the globe for cheaper labor. Yeah. And of course, if you look, look at container ports now, how efficiently and easily you can move containers with a minimum of, of
1: workers. Yeah, but you, 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 you're addressing corporations and their economy and their concerns. All this is true for corporations, but there's like two economies in the world. There's the real economy of the people, their mm-hmm. needs, and what they are doing. And then there's the elites or the corporations or the oligarchs, which, like, the stock market is an indicator for that type of economy. And uh, I guess the price of bread is the indicator for the other one. And Mm -hmm. in in classical times, they used to look at the stock market to tell if, if economy is doing good or bad. And to a certain degree, that works. But not anymore, because, first off, as you know, it's propped up artificially, even before corona. We discussed this the last time. Under Trump, the markets already started to crash, uh, like six months before the corona pandemic was declared. And uh, oh, God. it was yeah, a crisis. Yeah, yeah. What are we going to do? How are we going to... It looks as if the fiat money was imploding. And they did what they usually do. They doubled down and they produce even more money, even more money. They tried to... Print themselves out of out of the unavoidable crisis, and notwithstanding that there may be a black economy a level to this, it is a black level uh, to this. But let's not even go there. We uh-huh. can f- even without going there, we can discuss this. So that happened, and uh, then um, and then they say, oh look at the stock market, oh we're doing fine, we're doing well. No, while they were propping up the stock market. Like now, uh, how many percent is it? It's like a huge majority in America that's living paycheck to paycheck. Mm-hmm. People can't, uh, $400 unforeseen expense is enough to knock out households from their <clears throat> uh, economy. So that's how bad it's, uh, people have really been suffering the last years. And uh, uh, when we turn away from the Western economies and look at poorer country. I think that's what we need to do because they need to find a way to survive. Yeah. And they have just gone full into uh, Bitcoin and crypto. And and I, I think the same, we will be forced to do the same in the West. Because poverty is, I mean, if you don't own something, it doesn't matter where you're from. Right. National borders are artificial. The only thing that really distinguishes you is the current local valuta. Like, you may live in a country where the local valuta is worth shit, and you're like at the bottom at the hierarchy internationally, or you may live somewhere where it's worth more, but you are poor in that country. But if you go to another country with that money, you get more back for it. Right. So that's, yeah. that's the only <laughs> difference in terms of where you live. Otherwise, it's just one huge class of, of dispossessed, of uh, proletariat as, as the <laughs> older, uh, communists used to say. Uh-huh. So uh, but let's speed over to crypto why is crypto uh, representing something different?
2: Because crypto is an asset class that all people in the world will have access to and there is no centralized control. There is the power is not centralized. It's not in a central bank. It's not with the the, the country that issues it. It's completely absolutely 100% if we're talking about Bitcoin in this case, let's just keep it to Bitcoin easy here. 100% decentralized. Who has access to the S&P 500 in the world? If you look at people who are invested in the S&P 500, for example, it's a very, very small fraction of people who are actually invested in that. But Bitcoin, anybody can buy, can buy Bitcoin. So it's like it's like taking the S&P 500 and saying anybody in the world can invest in this and nobody can manipulate it and nobody can can create assets, create money and prop it up. Because one thing that's really interesting, when you talk about the stock market, you say inflating the stock market, mm. the, infl- the stock market hasn't been inflated. All the stock market is doing is maintaining its value in in, in currency. So it's not like it's worth more. It's just it as the price goes up when you look at inflation it's just holding its value that's all it's doing that's all it's doing so what the rich are capable of doing is buying an asset right the S&P 500 for example or the bond market mm-hmm. and so th- they can get they can put their money in these assets and those assets will maintain its value maintain its value the rest of us like you said we live paycheck to paycheck we have no access to savings. We can't save because all, all of our assets are basically the only asset we might have that we could we could save with is real estate. Yeah, That's the only way. Yeah. And how many people are in real estate and own it outright? Very few people.
1: And gold,
0: Mo- I
2: suppose. Most, a lot of people have are, own a house, but they also have a mortgage, right?
1: Mm-hmm.
2: So th- you're, there's no access to savings. And what Bitcoin does by decentralizing, it's a decentralized asset class. Any, all people, anywhere in the world. I live in North Africa. Someone in North Africa can buy Bitcoin and
1: actually have an asset that will hold, hold its value. And that's what's liberating. Wait a minute. What do you mean hold its value? It's not like, uh, if you, if you compare crypto to, for example, dollar. It mm-hmm. swings all the time, but the yeah. swing isn't just because the dollar is swinging, right? It's also because how you validate, how, how much value you project into crypto is also changing from time to time, right?
2: Oh my God, it's incredibly volatile now because yeah. it's so young. And one of the interesting things about Bitcoin is usually a new asset class, the mm-hmm. first people mm-hmm. in are institutions. So first, the banks get it. Like take a, take a startup. It,
1: traditionally, it. Yes.
2: At Silicon Valley startup, the first people who have access to that are angel investors, then VCs, then it gets launched on the stock market, and then – no, we never have access to a Google. A normal person never has access to a Google, right? To a what now? To own Google or to right. own uh, Tesla.
0: Right. Absolutely
2: right. not. Hmm. But because who are in first? The big money and the institutions. But with Bitcoin – what was interesting, because it's an asset class that most major institutions by their constitutions were not able to invest in, who's invested in Bitcoin, it's it's the opposite. It's not the institutions who got in in the beginning. It's the retail investor. It's the everyman. And that's what's so liberating about it. For, for maybe the first time in history, or at least in the last hundred years, you have a new asset class. And remember, now Bitcoin is about... So people have perspective. Cryptocurrencies today are worth about a trillion dollars.
1: Okay? What do you mean cryptocurrencies are, are worth- are
2: Basically, worth Bitcoin worth. and Ethereum. If you take the total value of Bitcoin and Ethereum-
1: Oh, uh, okay, so the value yeah. it has per today. In dollars, in mm, dollars. And in then dollars. obviously this swings back
2: and forth. Mm. If you think about gold, gold's worth about 10 trillion. So 10 trillion, if you take all the gold in the world, it's worth about $10, a little bit more now. <laughs> But basically, about 10 trillion. So,
1: 10 times more than all the crypto in the world. And if you look at world equity markets,
2: you're probably north of 100 trillion. Okay? Wow. And if you look at the world bond market, you're well north of 100 trillion. You might be closer to 150 trillion. So, if you look at Bitcoin right now, it's about 10% of gold. Well, Bitcoin and Ethereum, it's about 10% of gold, and it's about 1% of the equities market. And it's even less than that if you look at the world bond market. Okay? Mm. But who has access to it? Everybody, anyone can buy Bitcoin. Mm. Mm. But who has access to the bond market? Would you even know how to buy a bond?
1: (laughs) No, no, no. But you bought Bitcoin, but you are in crypto. Yeah, both of us are. That's the difference. That's 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 an important difference. But let me be the devil's lawyer here. For example, uh, some people have argued. I know both you and me listened to Glenn Greenwald. He had a couple of, yeah, he had two shows on cryptos. He's trying to sway dogmatic leftists to come over. Mm-hmm. come over to the light side <laughs> if it is indeed the light side and one of the arguments uh, that usually comes up is that it's uh, like a pyramid game
0: mm-hmm.
1: and in a way it is because you haven't explained how it works. A friend of mine tried to explain it to me. He said the brilliant thing with Bitcoin he said
0: mm-hmm.
1: uh, and, and maybe you can confirm or expand upon this. He said that it's in the algorithm mm-hmm. it's it's limited like like you can't just like the difference between fiat money and Bitcoin is that fiat money, there's no checks and balance. it's just number in a computer, and the, any time they can add how many zeros they want, or cut how many zeros they want, mm-hmm. whereas in crypto, it's a finite amount. So then you, then I said, "Yeah, but how can new people buy in?" Because they partition up that cake in ever incremental bits. So let's say four people owned the first crypto when it was launched. Mm -hmm. So that was 25 crypto to me, 25 to you, 25 to Alex Zakiris, 25 to Gordon White. Okay. And fast forward, and now 100 people are into it because my 25 has been divided up to four more and you're for more, and so on and so forth. And that uh, is a concept I can understand, and I think it's brilliant, because then it's finite and infinite at the same time. Oh, I see And, it, I see and he is. said, uh, and one more thing he said, and that uh, you can track it too, that you can't, it's an open, uh, how you explain it? It's, it's an like line. an o- open language. Everybody can see what, uh, all transactions, everything that's going on. Right. So he said it's impossible to... Like fake it or like because the first face and I had Catherine Fitz on and both of us were very skeptical because it's digital. As soon as something is digital, you cannot trust it because it's just numbers in a computer. It's someone else's computer. Someone else has control. So comment about them upon all this I, I said. Okay, let's
2: let's just use let's use just Bitcoin in this case because it's easier. Okay? Yeah. yeah. In the in the way it's set up. There's a maximum amount of bitcoins, twenty one million. There'll never be more, okay? Right, right. So it's twenty one million. That's it. There can never be more than twenty one million bitcoins. Hmm. That has to be clear. So there's, it's impossible to ever create more than twenty one million. I don't, I can't remember where we are now. I think it's like nineteen or something like that. Have been created. There's about
1: oh, they haven't uh, used
2: everything yet. No, no, yeah. There's still more to be to be uh, mined. Wow. But that will happen. I think in the next few years. But they can never be more. So it's not, you have to get away. Now, remember, with sovereign currencies, like the dollar, they're just created every day. Mm. There's no limit on how many dollars you can make. That's fiat. There's a hard limit in Bitcoin. Mm. And that's why when you talk about cryptocurrencies, the real store of value crypto is going to be Bitcoin. And I think it will always be Bitcoin. Mm. Nothing Mm. will ever compete with Bitcoin as a store of value. Mm. Ever again. The, it will be the sort of pristine store of value in the crypto world will always be Bitcoin,
1: I think. I think by. Yeah, and I think, I think it's a huge advantage that it's finite, that it's yeah, yeah. No,
2: you can't, and no, there is
1: no entity
2: that can say we're going to make more Bitcoins. It's, it's absolutely impossible. And we've reached, this gets very technical, but we've reached the point. If you look at network adoption, that it's almost impossible now to break Bitcoin. It's almost impossible on a technical level. Now you, can, you have to bring someone on technical to explain it, but if you get into it now, it's so large, the network to break the network would take such a massive amount of energy. It's almost impossible. I wouldn't say it's impossible.
1: Even, even if NSA put all the computer no, no. forces,
2: I think at this point, and remember this changes the, the long, the more, the bigger the network and the longer it's around and the more people on that ledger, it's almost impossible at this point. Mm-hmm. And on the other hand, at a trillion dollars, you're talking about a very, a pretty large asset class. Remember, 10% of the value of gold. Even if, if they wanted to kill Bitcoin, they would have a hard time doing it now. I'm not going to say it's impossible. But it's getting to the point where it's it's impossible, close to it. And 10 times now, once Bitcoin – let's just talk. keep it to Bitcoin, okay? Mm-hmm. Once mm-hmm. Bitcoin reaches 10 times, let's say it reaches $10 trillion, there then it's too big. It's just too big to kill. You would be wiping out such an amount of value in the world, and you'd have so many institutions involved that it's too late. Mm-hmm. It's too late. So mm-hmm. I think – Bitcoin has gone beyond that point of, well, maybe it could be killed. Maybe it could be wiped out. It's too big now.
1: But it can't be controlled, manipulated. No, it's impossible.
2: Because remember, there's no single point of control. Mm. This is a common ledger. So everybody on the ledger. But could you write an algorithm to interfere? Could you write an? No, because remember, if you tried to change, if you tried to make a change, that change has to be approved. By the entire ledger.
1: Right. That's true.
2: Yeah. And at this point, in the beginning, I believe that could have happened. There were technical ways that could have happened. Mm. But at Mm. this point, it's so large. So to go in and dominate a network that large, the amount of energy it would take to do this Mm. is just Mm. monumental. Now, you need
1: to bring in a technical
2: person in to explain Technically, that part.
1: But you're right. I, you're right. I, I no, yeah. I, I was just. I was just thinking. We need a technical person on who can explain this part of it, uh, because this is this is crucial to get it. In in order for people to trust it, they need to understand how it works technically. So you're right. We're gonna we're gonna do that in another show. But uh, uh, the pyramid um, aspect you can address because if it's true that that it's limited in terms of how many there are. Mm-hmm. But it's unlimited in that you can just divide, divide up the value. Then, uh, obviously, those who are early out will become the new oligarchs of the future. And it's ironic that still the large bulk of Westerners are not using it. So that means that the future oligarchs are going to be a bunch of poor people in poor countries. And the smartest investors uh, of today, plus all the... Tech nerds and geeks who were early out because they actually are into cryptos. Like like is a good example. Yeah. So it's going to be a weird... Tomorrow's oligarchs, are, are, if this money system takes over is going to be completely well not completely different people but it's going to be a lot of fresh faces that you would never expect to see
2: (laughs) but you're making an enormous assumption and that is that the people who got in early are going to keep all their money in in bitcoin and they're never they're never going to use that they're never going to transfer that money to fiat to use it right as soon as you transfer it like the first bitcoin transaction have you ever heard about the, the two pizzas yeah. That were is. worth, if in today's value, I think they're worth, what, $36 million, I think, those pizzas?
1: Right. So someone bought two pizzas for cryptos. Uh, that was and- the first the
2: first Bitcoin transaction, which to, in today's value, I think it's something. In, oh, I can't remember. It's $30 million or $300 million, some ridiculous amount of money. Yeah, yeah. And if you talk to the guy, and it's interesting, the guy who got paid for those, they asked him what he did, and he spent it on a girl. <laughs> so, so it, 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 when you see what happens is people are going to cash out at some point, right? Yeah, you're right. And then the money is put back into the system. Exactly. Exactly. So, I mean, will there be Bitcoin oligarchs? I seriously doubt it. I seriously doubt it. I think it's going to be... I mean, I'm sure there'll be a few. I'm sure there'll be a few.
1: But people are going to... There are some today. There no. Are, there are... Aren't there crypto billionaires today? There are at least crypto millionaires, if not millionaires. Yeah, yeah.
2: There's, got, there's got to be, I'm sure. But... You, those people eventually are going to move to a different asset class, right? Because yeah. they want to buy, they're going to want to buy stuff. So they to- want to
1: they want to buy assets at some point.
2: Yeah, of course. And why not? Why wouldn't you want to buy land
1: or gold? Mm. Right. Of course, people would do. Yeah, you you, you can't put all your eggs in one basket. But um, okay, so maybe it's not a pyramid that way then. But um, no, And, know, and, and say- another thing is, you, you're right because the poor people are not sitting there saving; they're using it all the time. So they're not getting richer. But it's still a time for people to get on this Klondike before. because you actually indicated it right there. You said the price of pizza. And that, folks, should get you to understand that even if it's swinging all the time, the trend for crypto is it's not even a diagonal. It's a straight vertical line up because even if... um, Cryptos are regarded as um, not practical payment still, even though you can get a Visa card connected to a crypto account, etc. Like I mentioned, it's still not the common currency for resources in the world today. So everyone who has invested from transaction number one and up till today, everyone who has invested in cryptos have come out on the plus Oh. Yeah. At least if at least if they had some ice in their belly and, and let some time pass. So and and then people can say, yeah, but isn't it risky to get into it because it's going to be a bubble? Yeah, it's going to be a bubble, but it's not anywhere near to be a bubble yet. How do I know this? Because crypto isn't tied directly to resources yet. Mm-hmm. The the day they become directly tied to resources, the day they become normal currency, then it's a different matter. Then you can actually have a sinking of the value. But I think the the speed that it increases with now has not... To put it like this, the bubble hasn't started to inflate yet. Will it happen eventually? Of course. But I I think we're far from it. I I think anyone going in now, to put it bluntly, if you spend $1,000 on cryptos now and then you just sit on those cryptos, don't do anything, Mm -hmm. you can cash out big time 10 years from now or something. That's my point. Well, yeah.
2: I mean, if cryptocurrencies, let's say, eventually become the same value as gold, okay?
0: Mm.
2: You're at times 10. Mm. So, what's Bitcoin out today? 30-something thousand, right? So, you know, add a zero to that. 30-something thousand, you're talking 300,000. Mm. Um, if they, Let's say they became half of equities. That's 50 trillion, right? Mm. That's times 50. Mm. So... I don't see how especially a retail investor now this is not something you want to put all your money into? Absolutely not. Don't borrow to put into this. Absolutely not. (laughs) But if you have if if you're someone who says, you know what, I'm gonna take a risk and I wanna toss a couple grand into this and every month another hundred, two, three hundred dollars, right? What are the what is the probability that in ten years crypto will equal gold, I think there's a really good chance. Mm -hmm. And what's the probability that it could become an asset class similar to bonds or equities? I mean, it's possible. That's times 100,
1: right? Yeah, I mean, the only thing stopping it is the elite knows that crypto is fucking their economy, and so they're trying to stop it from entering the markets. But, you know, as soon as the... um, The Wall Street firms, uh, the uh, what's it called? The term for those who, not fund. Oh, like EFTs. EFT?
2: I mean ETFs, electronically traded funds. Like where you can buy an ETF for gold.
1: Yeah, as soon as uh, the Wall Street people are coming onto the market, then they can stop it. And they are starting to buy up crypto now. They yeah, and remember, look at
2: look at sovereign wealth funds like nor- Norway. You have a sovereign wealth fund, right? Yeah, Norway, yeah. a very large one. Mm-hmm. I don't mm-hmm. believe they're invested at all in Bitcoin yet. Mm-hmm. Soon, all of these sovereign wealth funds from the Gulf states, oil producing states like Norway, all of a sudden going to say, you know, we should probably put five percent of our assets in crypto, and of that, you know, most of it will probably go into Bitcoin.
1: When they begin. hasn't hedge funds started yet at least they're talking about it
2: the hedge funds oh you know what that's a good i'm not really sure but a lot of the hedge funds are not because hedge funds when for the investors they have sort of like um it's like a constitution you know a lot of them in there it'll say we can invest in equities Um, commodities, but they're not allowed yet to invest.
1: Yeah, but they want to because they can see see the potential. And and
2: uh... think about ETFs. Like most people, when they invest in gold, they just buy an ETF, an electronically traded fund, right? And what Mm -hmm. the fund does is it buys the asset. So ETFs like gold or silver, you buy that. And what that fund does is buys the gold or futures uh, contracts on gold, right? Mm -hmm. When those begin... Then all of a sudden these hedge funds can invest in ETFs for Bitcoin. And what is that what does that ETF have to do? Take that money and buy Bitcoin. You see what I mean? Mm. What about when corporations start putting some of their cash into Bitcoin? You see, when you say the the elites are gonna get in and they want to protect their system, but what they've done is they've destroyed their key asset, which is the dollar. Mm. When the, remember, when the stock market goes up. All they're doing is maintaining the value of their assets. It's not like they're making money. They're mm. not getting more. for. They're just holding the value because of inflation. Mm. When you print money like crazy, right, mm. if you look at a graph and all the money that's printed, where does it go? It goes directly into equities and bond in the bond market. Mm. That system is ready to break. And I know people have been saying this for a long time, but I mean, look at the inflation that we have now. So what are those guys going to do? They're going to go to an asset class that nobody can print. I mean, if you had a, if you had $20 million, where would you put it right now? I would put it either in real estate, in commodities like gold, silver, or I put it in Bitcoin. Mm. But would I put it in dollar denominated
1: assets? you know you, ha- you you have to be a little no, but th- that, that's never been safe i mean uh, real estate oh, remember. real estate and gold has always been safe ways to store uh, your savings the new thing is that bitcoin now is one of those three safe yeah. ways for normal people
2: exactly exactly and you have to remember if you look at the equities market let's take let's take something like apple or tesla what they're doing What is Apple's product really? What is Apple selling? What are they selling you? If you really look at what Apple is doing, in a sense, the product is their stock price. They're selling you a stock. That's the whole point of the company. When you have Well, they have they have products too. No, they they definitely have products. And I'm not saying that they, they don't produce a product. Of course they produce a product. But when you look at a company that's buying back its own stock, right? Yeah, yeah. What does Apple do with its profits? Do they send do they send you a dividend? Yeah, if, keep, look, look at this, Al. If you want to buy a company, a solid real company, right? Hmm. You buy the company, what do you want to get at the end of every year? Surplus. You want to get a chunk Surplus. of the profits, yeah. right? Yeah. That's, a, that's called a dividend. Hmm. None okay. of these companies, Facebook, Apple, Tesla, none of these companies send you a dividend. What they do is they take all their profits and they invest it. In their own stock. They're buying back their own stock. Hmm. They're borrowing money to buy back their own stock. If you look at their stock prices and you look at the amount of money that's being printed, if you went and decided, you know what, I want to buy Tesla. That's an interesting company. What am I actually buying? And am I buying a, an asset that's absolutely inflated due to money printing? I'm not sure I want to get into that now. I mean, look, Facebook last in the last two weeks lost 25% of its value. Hmm. What the heck is going on? This is a reason why a lot of corporations, hedge funds, investors, family funds. There's a lot of wealthy families out there. And what they're going to start doing is saying, you know what? I'd rather be in an asset class that someone can't manipulate. And you can't manipulate Bitcoin. It's impossible. That's the I think as an asset class, that is the real opportunity. Now. Getting back to the economics of this, of left and right and Glenn Greenwald, and there's a real, real interesting topic here, because you have the old gold bug libertarians who have converted to Bitcoin maximalists, and they believe that Bitcoin is the future, and there's only Bitcoin, and that's it. Jack Dorsey from Twitter Mm. is another one who's gotten completely Bitcoin maximalists. That's it. They believe... Now, if you go to the left, the left says, "No, money is a sovereign tax credit. And only governments can issue real money, And the governments must have the control over the currency, and that way they can they can carry out government policies that will benefit everyone. And this is and that's
1: a, intention.
2: And that is the major conflict you're seeing in the world right now do we want a future where money is con- controlled solely by sovereign states and those states issue money to us say in the form of a ubi or 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 tra- other types of transfers and pensions these types of things or do we want to have a money system that's completely decentralized which would be blockchain Bitcoin
1: yeah, but well, wait a minute. If a country is, this isn't true. If a country's currency is tied up to dollar, then at the end of the day, it's it's just one nation that decides, and that's America.
2: Well, you're talking about you're talking about currencies that that float, right? Like the euro, the yen. Yeah, you
1: said do we do we want the nations to control their own? Look, in yeah. in a fiat paradigm where that's the only option, mm-hmm. fiat right then I, I i get it why it's safer that uh, a country controls its currency than a private central bank of course i'm on that side mm. but if you compare it to crypto that's even taking it one step even better again yeah like like crypto is maybe the anarchists uh, money whereas um, state controlled currency is uh, this Social or oh, the left wing. Uh, well, not say left because people it, it doesn't mean anything anymore. Left and right. Let's say socialists. Yeah. And, and then you have a crony capitalism and, and corporatism, who of course favors fiat money, uh controlled by the private banks. And then you have even a fourth, and that's the old school Austrian mm-hmm. thing, you know, gold standard thing that libertarians tend to favor, but. Many libertarians are running away from that and over to crypto. And also many socialists are running away from the old paradigm and over to crypto because both those... And that's amazing. There's, there's an argument to be had both for, uh, from a left wing and a right wing perspective, uh, when it comes to crypto. And let's go through those two arguments. But, but in both cases, those who favor decentralized left wing and decentralized, uh, right wing, which is why you tend to see more populists on the left and the right favor crypto. Whereas more classical or old schoolers, no, not, not old school actually, but more say centralized, people who are more in favor of centralization, whether it's left or right. They tend to favor. And the, you see it crystallized in Clinton and Trump. Yeah. Both of them have recently come out desperately trying to undermine the value of crypto, even trying to making it illegal. And why? Because both of those are personally, their personal assets are deeply tied to the old old money and old fiat money system. Both of them will lose if... Crypto takes over, so so that's a, a, a true indicator of what's going on here, where the interests are. You know, who, who, but now he, it's deeper; it's much
2: deeper than that. Yeah. Because okay. in a decentralized finance world, where even if there still exists sovereign currencies, but the, the important current, let, let's say Bitcoin overtakes the dollar, mm-hmm. governments themselves lose any kind of. Reason to exist. If you have a government that can't create money, why do you? Yeah. Even, why do you even need a strong centralized government? You see, the power is central.
1: No, no. Uh, in, you're asking the right person. I was going to say the wrong, but actually the right, because I live in an area where there is strong government, but for other reasons. Yes, in an American perspective, I understand your point. But here, government means to facilitate that everything in everyday life is going to go smooth. So you have, of course, the laws, courts and the laws, but you also have stuff like taking care of the poor, taking care of prisons, taking care of healthcare, taking care of school, you have the military, the police. There's many sectors of government who won't be touched, even if we switch to a different way of of running our economy. You see what I mean? The tasks doesn't disappear.
2: True, but I mean, in Norway you what have about 6 7 million people population of about 6 7 million
1: yeah well, you could take entire scandinavia okay but but you have 20 what 20% of your gdp is oil no uh, just for norway not for the rest of scandinavia yeah but i mean
2: for norway for example yeah
1: but but that's not actually why we we are wealthy it's a long story uh, i don't know if we're going to take that detour now but what's your point anyway what what i mean is when when you have a when you have ad- ah, petrol dollar we are reliant on the petrol dollar i mean you have you have
2: you have a resource that can give you access to to currency right. easily. Yeah. But what I mean is governments, without the ability to issue sovereign currencies in the form of tax credits, they lose an enormous amount of power. Yeah, that they do. I agree. That power becomes decentralized. Yes. So if you take the U.S. government today, they can print an enormous amount of money. They can just print money at will. And they do. In a decentralized financial world, that's impossible. You can't print Bitcoins. So the power moves from the center and spreads out. Now, there's an argument on the left. Uh,
1: Hang on, hang on. I have to inject. Mm -hmm. That's a very good point you're making. And please notice, people, the real power in the world has always been money. And that's why I argue very little will change because – that's the only area they haven't let us have democracy. They said, yeah, yeah, you can have these symbolic dog and pony shows. Right, right. <laughs> but the real power is going to be is secured for the oligarchs. That's the power that will crumble. And with that, some nation states interests too, because they are tied up to the old paradigm. So, of course, the nation states will uh, be losers in this transition. Where power is transferred from the old centralized oligarchical systems over to this decentralized thing, but that's just healthy. We're getting rid of the unhealthy aspects of the state. What remains of the state, I venture, will be the healthy aspects of it.
2: Right, and remember, the power of the state itself will become decentralized because yeah, the the, the whole way that that the government operates is going to change. Right. Yeah. And that is what blockchain sort of brings to us.
1: Yeah, and, and and I see what I'm- I, I see. What you're saying, and if anyone is uh, unsure that we're just hyping it, look here's a here's a foolproof way to realize why it's not a bubble yet, and why getting into crypto now is an advantage. And that's just a mere fact that most people aren't using cryptos. We haven't gotten to this point that me and Robert are discussing. If we ever get there, because that's the next question, how they will stop it, because they am trying and they want to. Exactly. But let's say for the sake of argument that this will become the future economy, that we will win this battle. Mm-hmm. Or at least that it will be bigger than it is now. More and more people will get into it. Just that fact alone makes you realize how this hasn't reached the height yet. So if you get in now, imagine if everybody's going to use this in the future. It's a lot of people getting into it and it's a finite amount. That means that everyone who owns crypto now will have to sell it for it to be able to be an everyday economy. And when you have billions of people ready to come in, into this market, they haven't come in yet. Do you have any idea of how many people? Maybe actually the number of people is irrelevant. It it should really be the number of cryptos in use, I guess. How can you measure this?
2: Well, what is it? In 2021, it was about 100 million people in the world. Um, Who who used that money?
1: Who used crypto?
2: Who use yeah, but out of a how many people are in the world? What seven billion?
1: Yeah,
2: right. So you got a hundred. How many people use how many people use dollar denominated currencies right. in the world? A hundred percent. Right, right, right. So you're going from what? What's a hundred million of seven billion? Right, right. Okay. Right. I mean, you're looking at a right. very small <laughs> percentage of people. Yeah. But I, we need to we need to distinguish because so we have cryptocurrencies, but the blockchain itself. Right? You can create currencies on this common ledger, but you can also create organizations, decentralized autonomous organizations, DAOs. Okay? Mm -hmm. So think of an organization that's created on a common ledger. So a country would have a government that was, you would organize the government as a decentralized autonomous organization. You go in, there's a decision to be made, and we make the decision together. on this common ledger, we agree or we don't agree to raise attacks, lower attacks, etc. Do You see what I mean?
0: Yeah.
2: It's not just money. It's about how we organize ourselves. And there's a tendency in the world. There's one massive mega trend, which is decentralization. And it's not just in with money. It's with all organizations. Think of media, right? Mm. So if you think of. Think of Facebook, right? Let's think of Facebook. The users of Facebook are what are the users of Facebook? Who are they? They're the product. They're the product. They go on Facebook, they create content, and
1: Facebook owns Facebook, right? They're also the consumers. They're both the product and the consumers. Consumers of <laughs> consumers of a service.
2: They, you know, Facebook gives them a service in exchange for Facebook selling them their identity as a product. Mm. All of the earnings go to Facebook, and you get to mm. post pictures of your cats. Right. Mm. But imagine if Facebook were a DAO, where the users of Facebook were also the owners of Facebook. Mm. That would be a true decentralized autonomous organization, a DAO. So when you went on Facebook. Uh, oh, oh, that's what we call a co-op, cooperative. Uh, right. But, but imagine a co-op on a de- on a blockchain ledger. Right, right, right. So when you go into Facebook and you signed up, every time you give a like, you would get some kind of a token. So when people right. gave you likes, you get a token. That's how Odyssey works, I think. Yes, exactly. And Rumble, etc. cetera. Mine's, so imagine what, as you get these tokens, you convert these tokens to some sort of a certain level of tokens. An advertiser comes in and says, hey, I want to advertise. What do they do? They have to buy the advertising in these tokens. The token becomes a type of currency that you can convert to Bitcoin. And you go out and buy stuff with mm-hmm. that. That would be uh, imagine Facebook as a DAO, that the users of Facebook were the owners of Facebook. There was
1: no centralized. Uh, I think Instagram is an easier example. So that those with huge followings would be the millionaires in, in Instagram. Yes. Exactly, because they would be the ones getting the likes, right?
2: Mm-hmm. And those likes would have value. Why would they have value? Because when an advertiser wants to buy profiles, they would have to buy the profiles in those tokens. And that's weird. God,
1: I wish that would be uh, the reality already. But, because, yeah, there, there will be, you know, some of these bimbos who have a million followers. Yeah, there will be some celebrity factors. But when you think of it, many of these blue check people, Nobody would follow them if they didn't have... an Like, they're tied up to the old paradigm. That's how they become big. Whereas many of these... Look, you can use YouTube before it got controlled as an example of who will win in that organization, in that system. It would be people, normal people, you and me. We are those who won until they needed to rig YouTube to control it. So these blue check people would lose big time in such a system because nobody is really interested in them or into them it's 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 artificial inflated power they have in the media because they're uh, tied to the old system the old paradigm right so that would be a refreshing revolution if 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 that and
2: and this is the web three revolution i mean you've heard them talk about web three right
1: yeah, but I have no idea web what it entails. So this oh, yeah. Is...
2: Let's just go through this real quick because it's pretty easy. Web one, okay. Right? Web one was taking yeah. old school, like take a newspaper and you stick it online. That's all it was, right. right? Or you take a bookstore and it becomes Amazon. That's Web one. Okay, that's the world. That's that's. I remember. I was in that world. That's all. It did. Web two is interactive. Web two is the users create the content.
1: Right. Right.
2: But it's still centralized. It's corporate media. It's it's a corporation that somebody owns, you create the content and you become, by creating that content, you're, you're creating the product and you are the product at the same time. Right. Now, some of those share a little bit like YouTube shares, right? Mm. Facebook doesn't share any value at all. No. Twitter doesn't share any of the value. Web three would be Twitter, but instead of being owned by a centralized organization, All the users of Twitter are the owners of Twitter. It's a decentralized, autonomous organization run on a blockchain, on a ledger, where the
1: users are the owners. Isn't that what file sharing is today? Like if you use VUS or Serious or whatever it's called, one of these programs that can create peer-to-peer connection. Isn't that what really goes on there? Yeah, but that's a little bit – well – but in, in, in a peer-to-peer, I don't,
2: but the peer-to-peer stuff is not, it's not run on a blockchain. There's no, the ownership, the decisions aren't made on a on a, on a shared ledger. You see what I mean? It's just like an open source software that's out there running. Oh, okay, okay. But I remember, remember imag- just imagine Facebook, imagine YouTube. Let's just take YouTube. Mm-hmm. Imagine if the people who who use youtube and create content are the owners and how how do they get ownership they get ownership through say social tokens right that are converted to governance tokens and how do you get these tokens by getting likes and views mm-hmm. therefore the more likes and views you have the more ownership you have of youtube and then the the more the bigger share of profit you get
1: do you see there's no
2: centralized yeah
1: this is populism there's no centralized org, it's totally decentralized. And, and it's, yeah, it's systemic populism. It's fascinating. But
2: take it to the next step. Take it to the next step. Imagine a YouTube that was decentralized, right? Mm-hmm. What would happen to someone like Joe Rogan on YouTube? Would he have ever left YouTube? No, he would have stayed because he would be sharing in the profits. But in the old system, Joe Rogan probably for every $10 of advertising revenue that he generated, he probably got $2 back, right? Mm. In this system, he would get back a major portion of that. Of course, there would be gas fees. If you're on YouTube, right, creating Mm. content, you would have to pay certain gas fees, right? Gas? In tokens. Well, they call them gas fees. Like when you want to do a transaction on the blockchain, you have to pay for the transaction.
1: <laughs> they call it gas fee. Gas fees. But, fee, but, but right? couldn't, couldn't that be a way for governments to maintain some control over the economy or at least some income that they could put fees on stuff? What, what you're mentioning now is a crucial part in this whole,
2: you know, when you look at it more from sort of the Web3 point of view and decentralized, Mm-hmm. It changes. One of the key aspects for this revolution to occur is regulation. Regulation needs to happen because governments need to exist. I think we all we all agree we need some form of governance. And that yeah, government-
1: I, I think it's better if you call it protections because there are really two types of regulations. It's the regulations that uh, we could call protections and then there's the regulations that is actually the opposite. It's it's a way to rig the system and to control the system. Yeah, yeah to control it. So uh, pr- protection is an example. When like, like like here in my country, it's illegal to sell GMO, but in some countries where it's legal, I believe even in some states in America, they have managed to put on law that you need to. I know Ralph Nader fought for this for a long time that you need to mark products if it is GMO. Now, those who sell GMO have no interest in this because they know that the only thing they risk is less people buying their products. So they are fighting for that not to be implemented. But everybody can see that if it's implemented that you have to mark your product with GMO, nobody loses here except bad guys. So that's a protection. Right. So so I'm saying this to the benefit of the libertarians listening in, because they tend to be knee-jerk against all sorts of regulations without distinguishing. And that's then they are suckers. Because often when the right talks about, oh we have to get rid of regulations, we have to get rid of regulations, what they end up trying to get rid of hmm? are the protections. Right. They never get rid of the those regulations that we believe they talk about, which are inhibiting and obstacling our world in order to function. Now that just becomes worse and worse and worse. The working class has never been bogged down with so many laws and rules and regulations as today, but they can't touch that because those politicians, same politicians work for those people who benefit from removing those protections and suffer if the regulations were removed. That's why they always talk a big game about uh, regulations and when they come in power, it's the protections they remove. Yeah. And then vice versa for the left. Actually, the left too end up doing the same because they too are owned. So, uh, that's an important distinction. And I completely agree that we need, uh, some protections. So you, you think there's a fair case to be made, depending on how big one wants the government to be though, then that we can discuss what sorts of oh yeah protections they can implement and also what sorts of fees they can implement oh absolutely and i think we want
2: we we obviously we want certain limits i mean imagine a community of forty, 50,000 people a small city yep. right yep. you if it was governed by a decentralized autonomous organization there would everybody in that community would vote either for a committee Or they would actually vote directly on issues. Do you want uh, the limits on driving to be 16 years old, 17 years old? What would the limits be on driving with alcohol, right? Mm -hmm. I think we all think it's probably a good idea not to have, you know, people driving around drunk. But what does it mean to drive drunk? We agree. It's agreed on the ledger. You see what I mean? It's completely decentralized, these decisions. Mm -hmm. And, of course, we need regulation. We're going to have to pay taxes. What level of taxes do we want to pay? Well, that's a good question, right? Yeah. And so those decisions can be made in a decentralized form.
1: But it seems to me it has to be voluntary taxes because you can't really control. That's another thing with crypto. Can anyone see who owns what and how much?
2: Right. It's because it's a completely open ledger. So
1: it's it's clear who owns what and how much they own it in each transaction. I, I thought it was anonymous. You're talking can, about. Can, can someone find out how many cryptos you own? That's a good question. Okay, we have. The, that's that's a question for the tech people.
0: Can
2: can mm-hmm. somebody go in and see how many bitcoins I own?
1: Like a state, for example. Yeah. Because when you argue that there's no intermediary, let's not not forget it's digital after all. And like me and Catherine Fitzer, everything digital at the end of the day means. It's someone else's computer, it's a server, it's a cloud. No, no that's not true. On a network though, right? And the server is an intermediary. The algorithm is an mm-hmm. intermediary. Do you not agree? Wait. No, no, because it's
2: the <laughs> alg- it's completely decentralized. So it's not it doesn't it's not sitting think of think of Bitcoin, think of Bitcoin, the Bitcoin network mm-hmm. as one computer. One computer. The whole network. Do you see what I mean? It's not one computer. Right. It's all the whole network as one computer doing one transaction.
0: Right. It's one calculation. Yeah.
2: Yeah. It's not on any computer. And yes, anyone can see the balance and all transactions of any address. Since users <laughs> usually have to reveal their identity in order in order to receive goods or services, Bitcoin addresses cannot remain fully anonymous. So every time someone makes a transaction, everyone on the
1: network can see the transaction and the balance. Yeah, because the the only reason this makes some kind of sense to me is because I have a friend who's tried to explain the technical side. And I I suppose we should have had that show before this one, because he, he said something about that. The brilliance of the algorithm of Bitcoin is that every time there is a transaction it's kind of written into it's into every ledger. it's like it's a fractal. You, you know the the holographic principle yeah, it's kind of the holographic principle so that every time something happens it reflects uh, to the whole. I, I don't know I, I can't
2: explain See, it. but think about it this way. imagine there's imagine there's just five people on the network, right? Yeah, just five okay mm. And I, bu- I I send you two two bitcoins. Everyone on the network, everyone on the network will see that transaction and approve it. It will say, Robert has five, and he gives one to Al. Now he has four. And everyone on the network must approve the transaction. So everyone on the network sees, Robert has five, he gives Al one four. Is this a legitimate transaction? Yes.
1: I I, I never never approved any transaction. So what do you mean everybody has to approve it? No, I send you...
2: 5 i send you a bitcoin okay yeah. so it changes the ledger right it changes the ledger of how many bitcoins i have and how many you have
0: yeah
2: i had 5 now i have 4 you had 5 now you have 6 yeah how do we approve that remember there's no centralized decision make there's no there's no point of failure central point of failure how do we how do we say this was a true transaction the majority of people on the network agree that i had 5 i
1: re- yeah but that's what i'm asking what do you mean i I never agreed about anything yeah didn't i get the memo yeah but we we make a transaction
2: i say al i want to send you five you say okay you give no no
1: keep me out of it you do it with gordon white and now you say it needs my approval yes yes but i never approved anything and i own crypto so what does that mean in reality it's not that because I never approved anything and you probably never approved anything either. So what do you mean when you say everybody has to approve it?
2: A majority a majority of the the nodes on the transaction, right, yeah,
1: yeah. have
2: to do have to have to take that transaction, add it on to the the whole rest of transactions, and show that the whole ledger change. You see what I mean?
1: Yeah, yeah. So it's ob- obviously automated, right?
2: There's no. Well, of course, of course, it's automated,
0: yeah. right? But
2: it has the whole ledger has to change,
1: and it has to be
2: approved by a
1: majority of the nodes. So the more transaction taking place, the more complicated the system becomes.
2: When I when I use the example of you and me, I I meant obviously this is automated. But imagine we have to agree; it's not us agreeing; it's the ledger agreeing, right. saying yes. This is a true transaction because imagine I say, I'm going to send you a thousand bitcoins and I don't have any. The ledger would say, no, Robert doesn't have a thousand. He has five. Okay. One person says it's bad.
1: Yeah. So you, you can't fake it. You, you you can't like pretend.
2: Right. But then, but then another person says it's bad. And another says it's a bad transaction. It's a, it's not real. It's not on the ledger. And then it's, it, you see what I mean? It's okay, not. Okay. Because,
1: because it double checks with all the other stuff happening and it doesn't, exactly. and it doesn't amount up to, they can see this it doesn't reflect a part of the system. That's, that's what it is. You see? That's brilliant. But is there no way to manipulate that? Because, um, yes, there was a
2: time because imagine if a, if a majority of the nodes the nodes on the system said, even though I didn't have a thousand, they said, yes, Robert has a thousand. Yes, Robert has a thousand. If the majority said yes, then the transaction could take place. Mm. But once that network gets big enough, right, mm. to go in and take over half of it to change to to change the ledger that way, it's mm. too big. Somebody has made estimates of the amount of energy it would take, because remember, you have to to change the ledger. Or it gets complicated but just what i mean the amount of time and energy it would take at this point mm. to fake it it's almost impossible it's almost <laughs> physically impossible
1: so there's there's two major contributors to this armor then one is the more time that goes yes the more complicated it becomes and the harder it becomes to hack and, and manipulate and control that's number one. That's the temporal extension. But number two, then there's a spatial extension. And that's uh, in terms of how many people joins and how many transactions takes place. How so large the
2: network is. Yeah,
1: how large it is. So how old it is. So the older it is and the larger it is, the more secure it's going to become. The less, uh, the, 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 the even more, even harder it's going to be to for CIA or someone to try to Focus. And the key, and
2: the key, is more of the size of the network than the time. Because if you have an old network that no one's using and there's only five people on it, it doesn't make a difference. But it's, it's
1: true. But it, but if if yeah. you if you add ten million years, it makes a difference, right? And and obviously yeah, people are using it. So I'm saying both. But um, is it conceivable? And again, you're not a tech guy, but let's try and see if you can answer it. Is it conceivable that it may be at some point become so complicated that the algorithm implodes? And as
2: far as I know, as far as I understand, no, because it's actually pretty simple. But where it gets difficult to break is the size of it. It's the size yeah. that makes it, not the complexity of it.
1: So let's say everyone in the world used it every second of the day. It was the only currency in the whole world for a million years. Sure, at some point it must be so. It must start to slow down. Well, the, the issue there would become <laughs> time.
2: The time to do the transaction and the energy it would take to do a transaction would obviously grow. That's an issue. It would be
1: unsustainable at some point. That's (laughs) an issue
2: with Bitcoin, that it's not that fast. Uh, Still, uh, even
1: even at this point, it's not that fast? Even now, this early?
2: Oh, my God. Now, to make a Bitcoin transaction, it takes quite a bit of time. Really? Oh, wow. Hold on. Let me just measure, because this changes so much. Yeah, so it's about 10 minutes. Wow. Wow. which is really long now there's the lightning network which is a network that works over bitcoin which is supposed to speed this up mm-hmm. but bitcoin is never going to become the the payment system never oh. it's it's going to be way too slow what you'll have is a different payment system that will work over and around it using um, stable coins and, and things like this this gets real technical uh, and and you, pr- you need probably need so- you need somebody with much more technical background than I do. Yeah. But what would happen basically? This what would happen in the future is I will see how much you have, make the transaction, and you'll hold a certain amount of stable coins, and we'll use like a secondary coin to make the transaction. Even though we're pricing it in Bitcoin, that's how it will work. It, it, to make it. But Bitcoin. Okay, so we we will
1: need to use an other intermediary cryptocurrency. Exactly. Exactly. That checks. But but I see a potential problem because let's say it takes ten days at some point. So what we do a transaction today, so it would check the price today, but in ten days everything can have changed. Yeah, but let's say a huge inflation or or a a crash. So what what happens then when ten days after? The intermediary currency doesn't anymore reflect the actual value. Right, but remember, we're talking ten minutes, not ten days. And in that, yeah, ten minutes today. But but you would hold. It's
2: like you know how banks can put a hold on your account. Yeah, yeah. So they'll 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 probably be inter like just they'll probably be intermediaries who put a certain hold on your transactions when you transact in stable or you own a certain amount of stable coins, and you'll. If you'll sort of fill your stablecoin wallet every once in a while with a Bitcoin transaction and you'll transact in stablecoins. Something like that.
1: Yeah, okay, I see. But what like, happened? What yeah. happens when people die? Let's say uh, 60% of the cryptocurrency, uh, let, let's say owners of 60% of the cryptocurrency dies. Oh, God. I mean of Bitcoin, of Bitcoin, not cryptocurrency. What happens then? Then we may have a situation where just parts of the money are in, Transaction. And what if the Intel organizations or the banksters or the oligarchs somehow manages to find out how much crypto is not owned and then try to claim it somehow and, and rig, rig the system on the system's own premises, if you see what I mean, but still yeah, cheat. Now, the
2: transactional part of cryptocurrencies is still in its infancy. I mean, think about wallets. Imagine if you lose, if you lose that 12 word, you know, that weird 12 world thing you have that I had to write down in three places.
1: Yeah. I use uh, the, the wallet I use, by the way, is called, and uh, it's recommended for all beginners. It's mm-hmm. called Exodus. And it was Cliff High who turned me on to that. He implored me. He actually, he was so patient. He sent me a uh, step by step. That's cool. Oh, wait, because now folks, lo and behold, we take crypto. If you want to donate to us, feel very free to use crypto i actually prefer cryptos now
2: (laughs) but that part of it there's a lot to be done and you can get someone on from DeFi who will talk about the pot and i've listened to a lot of a lot of people talk about this but there's a lot of work that needs to be done that way to get massive adoption okay yeah i mean we're not there yet and to talk about bitcoin it's an interesting topic is bitcoin really a money yet
1: you know yes and no well, as long as – a friend of mine, he, he showed me a Visa card mm-hmm. made of metal, actually. It was very hard and heavy. And he he said, yeah, I'm using uh, – see here? I'm using a transaction. We we were taking a coffee. And mm-hmm. he showed me, look, I'm paying with crypto. Bam. So as long as that's – even if people haven't started to implement it generally, the possibility is there. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, and that's – and like Ethereum, you can do transactions, I think it's what, in
2: like 20 seconds? So I mean, Ethereum is much faster that way. And Ethereum, yeah, but he just paid
1: with using the Visa card, so it, it was instantly. But did he pay in Bitcoin? In Bitcoin or in Ethereum? Uh, I, I think it was Bitcoin, okay. uh, but uh, yeah, that happened instantaneously. But,
2: but obviously, there was a transaction there from Bitcoin to a stable coin to something else to something else. It gets that part gets come. We're not there yet. Okay. I mean, I so don't, it
1: may have been an intermediary currency.
2: No, at some point it had to be right. At some point the store had to get its money in fiat at some point, right? So Yeah. Yeah. So but what I mean is eventually eventually imagine when 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 this speeds up and that's what DeFi is, decentralized finance. That whole world is booming. There is there are billions But what if when people die? That was my question. Right. So that's a great question. Imagine it, they, they don't leave the information on their account anywhere.
1: Except that it's already there, obviously, because all transactions are... Right, but access to that account.
2: Yeah, they, they die with their keys. They, they die with their keys. That's mm. a great question, and I'm guessing at this point that that's, that just stays there forever. But that's my guess. you got to ask somebody.
1: That's going to be... Then we have identified one of the areas they're going to try to rig the why, system why? and hack, hack. But why? Because, look, it's so simple. It's human psychology. The same reason Clinton and Trump and the banksters and oligarchs are trying to crush the crypto market. It's the same reason. Because, look, if I'm an oligarch today, I have trillions of dollars. Like, I think Jeff Bezos has a trillion. Yeah, right. You can spend those... You come to a certain uh, level of income. And after that, all extra income is just symbolic. In other words... If, if someone has one trillion or two trillion, for us, it's no difference. The power is exactly the same because they have more money than they can use. So why do people try to, and and people like that want to get more money? It's because it's not, they're not just into it for the money they can spend. They're into it for the power that all this money buys them. So it's not to them or even their corporations. Right. So they use this money to buy politicians, organizations, media, advertisement, uh, people even, <laughs> chills, you name it. It's it's a way to wield power. It's just the power part of it. And they will u- do anything. If I then can use some of that money to find a way to tap into tomorrow's money, because it's not as if... On Wednesday, we use fiat money and on Thursday, only crypto. It's going to be a long transition period. So you can develop systems to find out what cryptos are not in play and how can I take over that? I'm thinking, and I wish we had a a technique. No, but no,
2: but there, but there, I think you're, you're mistaken, fundamentally mistaken. You're not thinking about, you're not thinking about a shared ledger. So let's say I die with a million dollars in Bitcoin and I die with my keys, right? Yeah. Yeah. How are you going to get the majority of the network to say, I know his keys, and he sent me to my other account, to somebody else's account, his million dollars, and you all must have this? How are you going to do that? That's the whole point. If you can right. do that, then you can steal anyone's money. It doesn't matter if they're dead or they're alive. Yeah, that That's the whole point. It's so large that you can't overtake it at this point. It doesn't matter if I'm dead, alive, a baby. It doesn't make a difference. Right.
1: right. No, I, I get you. Yeah, but yeah, right. this then, Robert, shows us how super important these keys will be in future economies. Yes. Because today, if we kidnap a filthy rich person, uh, we can say to him, look, we're going to kill you if you don't give us your code or whatever. There's still checks and balances in the system because it has to go through the old money the fiat money system, which is controlled by the banks. So the bank can freeze transactions. They can track all transactions. Although, of course, there is still, especially now when everything is fiat and nothing is gold back, there is still, you can see on movies, Ah, I got this bank code. Now we're transferring it to Cayman Island and you can never get hold of it. But it's going to be more anonymous, but it's even going to be lucrative to take someone's money by force when it's all down to a key because if i can squeeze you for that key you can try to run to your fellow oligarchs or to the police or to the bank and i can just play stupid what do you mean no i don't know anything what key no i have no key (laughs) you know what i mean
2: yeah but i mean those are security issues but you have i I honestly i i I think yeah i mean if you're saying fine you torture somebody you get their key you stick them in a yeah i mean that could happen But I think, I mean, there are ways to diversify, to avoid risk. So, I mean, I don't see that as... as I heard it's
1: illegal to have several, but they can't control that. Can I have several accounts? Yeah, why not? Okay, so that's legal? Legal, the the, the whole
2: thing about legality in Bitcoin, this is what I was talking about, and people who are really into this understand that regulation is going to be incredibly important. For massive adoption. Yeah. So at some point, governments are going to have to set up some laws around cryptocurrencies. But that's an op, a lot of people see that as a threat. I see it, and I think most people see it as not a threat. That's the door opening. Once these regulations occur, all of a sudden, institutions, hedge funds, uh, state sovereign funds can dump tons of assets in the cryptocurrency because there's some law around it you see what i mean mm-hmm.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: that is an opportunity but one thing we haven't talked about so we've talked a little i mean we've talked a little bit about crypto we've talked a little bit about web3 we haven't talked about the metaverse okay and i think the metaverse is really one of the most fascinating areas of this
1: have you this, watched- this insane facebook project well okay what is the metaverse
2: right right and I think you're, you're familiar with what, what that is. It's the virtual. Remember, the, there is no one metaverse. The metaverse is the the collection of virtual uh, realities. Exactly. All together, inter- mm. where you, you can go from one to another. Okay, so you mean more than just a Facebook thing? No, of course. What That's the genius of Zuckerberg. The guy is a fucking genius. I'm sorry. Did you watch that video, the 40-minute uh, metaverse video?
1: No. But but, oh. but, but, but but I only know about it from reporting, and <laughs> yes. I haven't seen one favorable reporting yet.
2: I, I would highly recommend everybody watch that because what what Zuckerberg understands is the future is not Facebook. The future is this thing we call the metaverse, right? I mean, well, I,
1: I understand what you're saying. I don't know if I agree, but go. But on. it goes
2: back to you know that it goes back to you know Ready Player One and that novels you know Snow Crash and all that, mm. but. What this new universe is going to be, is it going to be centralized Facebook type of metaverse or is it going to be decentralized metaverse where you move? Now, this is one of the keys of the future of this metaverse. When I say metaverse, I'm not talking about Facebook. I'm talking about the metaverse, right? Which is the collection of universes where you can move where everybody is going to need an identity, a real identity. This is an enormous issue.
1: Think of all. I mean, the I mean, identity. Well, you mean from the states? No, no, no. I mean, I, I, if it's decentralized, nobody can force us to have any identity, right? But imagine now, when you go
2: to Twitter, right? You have yeah. one identity. You go to YouTube. I have a, an account.
1: Yes, I have right. an account. I'm not my. I'm not. But you have I'm idea. not my real identity on any social media. Never have been, because I saw it coming. Long before the NSA revelations and everything, okay. so but I have an account, a user profile. Is that what you're talking about? Right, but you you do have an identity. It, it, it's the, whatever identity you've created on Twitter.
2: That's right, who right. you are on Twitter, right? right. But right. imagine right. a met a true metaverse where that identity you doesn't change. So you go from, Horrible. let's say, the decentralized Twitter to the decentralized YouTube, and I mean your true identity with. Because that identity is how you're going to identify yourself to
1: your assets. That's a key then. It's the same way I can have 10 Bitcoin accounts, right? And 10 different keys. But that's <laughs> all going to be connected. Because now we get
2: to NFTs. So in this metaverse, you're going to own things, right? You're going to own your little plot of land in the metaverse. Imagine, De- you know, Decentraland, right?
1: Jesus, it's so stupid. Land? No, but you know Decentraland? <laughs> Are you uh, familiar no, I'm not. But but uh, I,
2: I, Yeah, decentralized is this really interesting space. It's, it's a DAO. It's a decentralized – well, kind of a DAO. That's the one that Snoop Dogg sold uh, a neighbor uh, piece of land right. for $450,000. Yeah. Now, Hilarious. your identity in between Twitter – imagine a decentralized Twitter where you're getting tokens and assets and you buy stuff. You want to take that stuff when you go to decentralized and you hang out in cactus land with me, right? Mm. and then when i go to you know foreign borealis in in the metaverse i want to bring me with me from mm. the decentralized twitter to the decentralized cactus land to foreign borealis we're all in this metaverse but i need an identity because i want to buy stuff i want to have cool clothes right
1: okay so now the question i understand the concept now the yeah. question is who is going to cash in on this by offering the platform that will weave it all together. Is that Zuckerberg? But that's the whole point. There can't be one platform. Well, uh, there has to be because there's no no such thing today. All realities aren't tied together today. If you go to Forum Borealis today, you're not in the metaverse. You're at an isolated virtual reality. Exactly. And
2: that's the difference between where we are now in the metaverse.
1: When we can... Someone is going to weave this together. Right. And that's going to be the platform controlling everything there. okay. there will be ways, say, open source
2: blockchain connections between these small islands. That whole thing is the metaverse. Right. And one of the
1: places in the metaverse will be Zuckerberg verse. Right. Which is the Facebook thing. But is there such a open source blockchain solution existing today? But that's that's the whole, that's where we're going. Now, if you yeah, but at, somebody
2: has to do it if we're going there, right? But tons of people are doing it. Okay. Al, okay. If you get into this, I mean, I've gotten into this recently. Mm-hmm. There is so many people building so many cool things. But but what's going to turn what we have now into the real metaverse is when they're interoperable. When you can go, yeah. you. That's why I mean identity, it seems like an easy topic. It's not mm. because creating a you that can move around that's the same – call it whatever you want to call it, Al or whatever you want to call it. Mm. That's you because you're going to want a you that can move around with your money. Really? I, I know many people who don't want a you. But there's even the, the you they don't want to be is going to be their you
1: <laughs> because when you're in the metaverse,
2: you've got to be something. You see what I mean? Yeah,
1: I don't know if it will succeed, honestly. There, uh, I don't know. Maybe I'm just too conservative, but I, I hope there will be a backlash because I don't like this. this uh, ten- I, I agree with the sound principles of the systems. You talk about uh, decentralization and beaming stuff together. Yes, but I don't want to go into a virtual. I don't want to sit with gla- You know, virtual reality binoculars on me and operate but- with an avatar. But that's
2: where that's where most of our life is going to be in 50 years. Well, um, I, I mean, I, th- I think it's inevitable. And, and people will say, oh, this is horrible. It's terrible. OK, what, whatever you think of it, it, it is fine. But this is where we're going. There is. I have no doubts. Okay. that's why if you watch that that Zuckerberg video, it's really interesting because he gets it. Mm. And what he gets very clearly is.
1: The At least he wants that to be the unavoidable future, right? Because-
2: no, no I, I disagree. I think he knows mm-hmm. it. he knows it's coming. And so what he's trying to do is create the first mini-verse where people will jump in. Now, if you watch that video, it's so interesting. He mentions cryptocurrency, I think, twice. Mm-hmm. And he never mentions DAOs. He never mentions decentralized autonomous organizations because he doesn't want it. He wants to own the whole fucking thing, and you go in there, and you're still his product. You see what mm-hmm. I mean? That's why when you watch it, you go, "God, this guy's a genius," because he sees that a lot of people would say, "Do I want to get involved in all this complicated blockchain groups? I'd rather just go to Facebook, fuck around, and let you know I'll have fun." And Zuckerberg will take all the money. It's a real difference when you're in a decentralized world where you're creating your own currency.
1: Do you see what I mean? It's a whole different package. Okay, okay. You know what? Let's take a quick break now. And uh, when we come back, we'll dig deeper into uh, this issue, those issues. Okay? Okay. Sure. 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 Great. 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 See you
0: soon. Okay. Okay. Okay.
1: All of our files are free.